0: You're tuned in to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcast live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for over 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, because More Living with Jim Brogan starts now.
1: Hello, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Like many things in life, retirement is a game of controlling what you can and understanding what's out of your control and mitigating risks to long-term income. For most of our lives, Social Security has seemed to be a given. It's a program that we pay pay into all our lives expecting to find financial support from it in our retirement years. However, due to high interest rates, inflation, and increasing life expectancies, many have talked about Social Security's ability to cover the full benefits expected when we first started paying into it. What is the future of the Social Security program, and how can you maximize your benefits? Today, I'm very pleased to have a colleague and a friend of mine that I've gotten to know over the years, Hamilton Morales, Hamilton is Senior Vice President, and he is the Social Security Strategist for Financial Independence Group out of Cornelius, North Carolina. He has been in the financial services industry for 40 years, and he holds holds the certification National Social Security Advisor, and he spends most of his time training and coaching other financial professionals on Social Security benefits and analysis and he really, really is a leader and expert in his field. Good morning, Hamilton. Welcome to More Living. It's great to have you. Sir, how are you? I'm doing just great. How are things in North Carolina? We've had some pretty rough weather here the last week or so. How are things over there?
2: Yeah, we had a little bit the other day. uh had some, had some uh, twisty things running around but never touched down as far as I understand, but it was pretty nasty.
1: Hamilton, you've been in the industry now for over 20 years, and mm-hmm. of course, you didn't when you first started out, you weren't the social security guy, the social security <laughs> expert. You right. kind of drifted that way. What led to that? Did, was it just kind of a natural evolution or was it a strong interest that you had that, that you got whetted your appetite early on? How did, your, how did you come to really emphasize the social security uh, strategy?
2: Yeah, so I, you know, I think the biggest thing is I think it was a vacuum uh, that was out there with financial advisors. They've got clients that are coming in. They're asking all these questions about Social Security, different um, uh, things that they can do with their Social Security. Can I do this? Can I do that? Is this allowed? And quite honestly, they didn't have the answers to those questions. And so, you know, where are people going to go? Well, they call Social Security. Well, that's scary. Um, to put it lightly, and so people were not getting the right information. And so uh, the company I work for, we we talked about it, and we wanted to have, uh, I guess, a value add, if you will, for the financial advisors that we work with across the country to have a resource that they could go to to get the answers to these questions for their clients. And in some cases, um, I've actually talked to clients on the phone with the advisor, and making sure they have a full understanding about how Social Security works in their particular situation, and so I've been doing it for the last ten years.
1: Yeah, well, it's 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 really great service you provide. I know you mentioned people calling Social Security. In fact, mm-hmm. Social Security uh, employees are they are denied they. they are not allowed under the law, if I'm correct here, Hamilton, Mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but they are not allowed to provide advice on Social Security strategy.
2: That's correct. So because of that reason, they can't ask questions. Um, So they're just going to give you the answer to the question that you have, and if you don't ask the question correctly, if you don't use the correct verbiage, um, they may think that you're talking about something completely different than what you're actually talking about and then give you an answer that's completely wrong. And But you don't know any difference, and you don't know the terminology as it relates to Social Security. So it's a conundrum. It really is. And then on top of that, it's a government agency where you've got a lot of people that have been there for a really long time that are retiring, and – And in a lot of cases, they're not replacing those people, so they're short-staffed. And then the people that they do hire, those are the people that you're going to talk to on the phone, and they haven't been there very long. So you don't know what kind of answer you're going to get,
1: (laughs) quite honestly. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely correct. Well, let's dive in. I want to talk about benefits. Uh, A little bit later we'll get into Mm -hmm. the solvency of Social Security moving forward. But the first Social Security check, Hamilton, was issued 83 years ago. The check was for $22.54. It went to a retired legal secretary in Vermont. Today, in 2023, the average retirement benefit is just over $1,800 per month. It's $1,827 per month, according to the Social Security Administration. Just bring us up to speed. Tell us a little bit, Hamilton, about the creation of Social Security, when and why the program was started.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it was signed into law by uh, FDR in 1935. And the main reason for it, if if everybody can think back and get into history a little bit here, which is lacking, but anyway, we we won't go there. (laughs) But we, we look at history, and we know that during that time was the Great Depression. And there was no 401Ks. There were no pensions. There was none of that back then. So how did people retire back then? Well, they either saved a lot of money and put it in the bank, they a lot of money and put it in the stock market, or they owned a business or a farm and the kids took over when mom and dad were ready to retire and the kids took care of mom and dad until they passed away. Well, think about what happened during the Great Depression. Gotta run on the banks, so there's no money. Stock market crashed, so there's no money, and because of those two things, people didn't have money to spend, so all these businesses went out of business. So now you have all these people that were out there and didn't have any type of retirement. So FDR and Congress at the time looked at it and said, we need to have kind of a safety net, if you will, to really kind of keep people out of poverty, and that was kind of the creation of Social Security, and it's evolved from there. Um, But it wasn't designed to be your retirement. It was designed to keep you out of poverty during retirement. Unfortunately, and I think the statistics are somewhere in the neighborhood of 40% um, of people who take Social Security, that is either the only income they have coming in or it is the vast majority of the income they have coming in in retirement.
1: Yeah, and I think Social Security, as you said, was set up to be more of a supplement and not be depended on as the primary Mm -hmm. source of income. Um, Let's talk a little bit, Hamilton, about how does Social Security, I I guess we need to, if you could briefly cover full retirement age, because that's an important age to understand when somebody is eligible for their Mm -hmm. full retirement benefit and there's no earned income test. Um, But then how is the benefit actually calculated? How do they determine what (laughs) my benefit is at my full retirement age?
2: Yeah, so full retirement age is very important. Everybody should know what their full retirement age is, and it's very simple. If you were born between 1943 and 1954, your full retirement age is 66. For every year after that, it goes up by two months. So if you were born in 1955, then your full retirement age is 66 and two months, 1956, 66 and four months, so on and so forth, until you get to 1960. And for those born 1960 and after, your full retirement age is 67. And what that means is, is that you could take 100% of your benefit with no reduction, plus if you decide to continue to work during that time while you're taking your benefit, you are not subject to the earnings test. And so those are very important things to understand. I, I, there are still people out there that think full retirement age is 65. And and those people, m- most of them are in their you know late 70s, in their 80s, that had a, a full retirement age of 65. So that no longer is, is out there.
1: Um, yeah, and one thing I'm gonna circle around to a little bit later when we talk about the future of Social Security is when Social Security was passed in 1935, mm-hmm the full retirement age was 65, I believe. And at that moment, the average life expectancy in 1935 was 59, <laughs> 59 years.
0: Yeah, So, yeah.
1: For a newborn, you know. Uh, so and now yeah. now the average life expectancy for a newborn is I think 77, 78. So it's pretty remarkable the change in full retirement age has only gone up by two years. Uh, so we'll, right. we'll, we'll address that and how it affects the solvency and, and maybe what com- what's coming down the pike. And maybe most importantly, how do we need to be planning uh, for some of the uncertainties out there? We're visiting with Hamilton Morales. Uh, he is a senior vice president and social security strategist for Financial Independence Group in Cornelius, North Carolina, over near Charlotte. When we come back, we'll talk more first about filing strategies and overlooked spousal benefits and understanding widow and widower benefits because it can often lead to mistakes in filing strategies. So stay with us as we visit with Hamilton. This is More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
0: Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan.
1: Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan. We're with you every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. and again from 3 to 4 p.m. Check out all our podcasts online. You can go to BroganFinancial.com and click on radio. You can also download our podcasts on your favorite podcast app uh, to really get learn great information to help you make informed and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life in retirement. We're visiting this morning with Hamilton Morales, he is Senior Vice President and Social Security Strategist for Financial Independence Group, and we're talking about Social Security. And let's talk about the filing age uh, briefly, Hamilton. You mentioned, of course, full retirement age is between 66 and 67, if you're not already there. Um, and But you can draw as early as age 62, uh, except for widow benefits can be earlier. and we'll, we'll get into that here in a minute. And then you can delay it to age 70. Um, According to Boston University economics professor Larry Kotlikoff, his research found that most U.S. workers between age 45 and 62 would benefit from waiting until beyond age 65 to start receiving their Social Security benefits. Talk about the importance of that and why is that and why would somebody not delay their benefit?
2: Oh man, that is a great question. And you know, one of the questions that I get on a regular basis because I do, I do uh, Social Security workshops across the country for different advisors, uh, where we're I'm standing in front of a group of of people who are either retired, getting ready to retire, thinking about retiring, and we're talking Social Security. And that and that's a big question that I get is, you know, how do I how do I maximize my benefit? When is the best time to turn it on? And the answer is. Well, I don't know because I don't know your particular situation. And so it's different for every person. And so it just all comes down to what I call the income plan. You you spent all these years saving for retirement. Once you retire, now how do I, for lack of a better term, deaccumulate? Instead of accumulate, I'm gonna deaccumulate. How do I spend that money? Well, part of that is social security. So if if I retire at sixty two, but I don't turn my social security on until full retirement age or age 70, where is my income going to come from during that period of time? And how is that going to affect me long term? And then of course vice versa, if I if I do retire at 62 and I do turn on my Social Security early, I get a reduction in that benefit, number one. And number two, Again, depending on your situation, how does that affect you? And if you're the higher of the two wage earners, how does that affect your spouse if you predecease them? So there's so many questions that go into when to turn on Social Security. Am I married? Am I not married? Am I single? Am I divorced? Um, All of these things come into play when it comes to thinking about when to turn on Social Security. I think the biggest biggest takeaway that I want to make sure the listeners know is don't just roll the dice and just, you know, shoot from the hip and, oh, I'm just going to do it at this age and not really plan and understand what you're doing.
1: It is very, very important. Um, I, you know, like to say what's good for your neighbor or your sibling or your coworker mm-hmm. could be the worst mm-hmm. thing you could end up doing for your own strategy because there are so many variables. Now, one thing that's some of the one of the things that's been talked about a lot if if people you know get online and and search for Social Security strategy things is, you know, there is quite an increase in the benefit from age 62 as opposed to waiting until age 70. It's over a 75% increase in the benefit if you wait. So it is a substantial benefit. Uh, but, as you mentioned, with the income needed in retirement, some people just can't afford to to delay that benefit, right? right. I mean, it, you know, it, right. it, it, it it sounds great when you say, how can I get the most out of Social Security? But you have to consider other things, like if I do delay, where am I going to get my income from, and can I afford to do that? Mm-hmm.
2: And the other thing you got to think about is, well, how long am I going to live? You know, what's my life expectancy? Um, you know, am I in good health now? Uh, what's my longevity in my family? There's, I mean, there's just so many factors, and some factors we just have to assume, right? We have to make some assumptions there because. We don't know when we're going to die. Um, if We knew that, then then planning would be very easy. Uh, unfortunately, we don't know that, so we have to make some assumptions there. And and again, like you said, there's so many different factors. And another factor, again, is is, is am I married? You know. Um, well,
1: let's talk about spousal benefits. Has a big factor. Yeah, let's talk about mm-hmm. that because I think that's so overlooked. Uh, so, so let's use me and my wife and Dee Dee as an example. You know Dee of course. So Dee of course, she's very she's she's basically running our operations now and has for the last three or four years. And she has always been involved in our business, but she did spend many of her years where her primary role, her primary job, was in the home, raising our kids. Yep. So her mm-hmm. earnings base. I mean, she's going to have some years with a good earnings base, but it's not going to be the highest 35 years. So, right. you know, she's not going to have 35 years of of regular earnings, which is used to calculate Social Security. So, you know, if somebody has yeah. a spouse that is has a significantly lower earnings base, talk about how the spousal benefit works.
2: Sure. So I think most of your listeners have probably heard this phrase used in, cocktail parties or or speaking with their friends or at the gym or whatever, hey, did you know that you could get 50% or half of your spouse's benefits? And, well, that's not entirely true. So the way it should be said is you could be eligible for up to 50% of your spouse's full retirement age benefit amount. Now, that's quite different, right? So, first of all, you've got to be eligible. How do you become eligible? So, real quick, basically how it works, and this is assuming both spouses um, have their own Social Security benefit. So, we're making that assumption. And so, rule number one is your spouse has to turn on their benefit. doesn't make any difference whether they turn it on first or turn it on second. It just has to be turned on. And then rule number two is you have to turn your benefits on. So once one and two have been accomplished, what's going to happen is Social Security is going to look at your full retirement age benefit amount, and they're going to compare it to half of your spouse's full retirement age benefit amount. If your full amount is greater than half of your spouse's, you do not qualify. You're not eligible for spousal benefits. However, the flip side, if your full retirement age benefit amount is less than your spouse's half, now you're eligible. So check mark there. I become eligible for up to 50%. Well, okay. So that means I could get less than 50%, right? That's correct. Because if you take your benefit early, not only do you get a reduction in your benefit, you'll get a reduction in the spousal portion of your benefit, and both of those combined will be less than 50%. So that could happen. And and there's a lot of people that think that I can turn it on to 62 and get 50% of my spouse's benefits, and it's like, no, 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 you're going to be sorely disappointed when you do that, and they tell you that you're getting less than um, 50%. And then the last thing, just real quick, is, Just real quick, the last thing is is 50% of the full retirement age benefit amount. So it doesn't make any difference when you turn it on, when they turn it on. The calculation is always based off of the full retirement age benefit amount.
1: So Hamilton, let's take that a step further. Let's let's use Dee and me again. Let's say that, uh, and our mm-hmm. full retirement ages are sixty-seven. So let's say that mm-hmm. uh, I, as the higher earner with the higher earnings base, decide I want to wait till seventy so that I'll maximize benefit. But she wants to mm-hmm. draw that spousal benefit. But as you said, you know she cannot get the spousal benefit if I'm not drawing. Um, Correct. How might that affect our strategy? Is there an increase in the spousal benefit if she waits past age sixty-seven? Uh,
2: that's that's a great question. So the answer is there. There's no there's no increase. The spousal benefit is the spousal benefit. Um, so once you hit full retirement age, that's the max it's ever going to be outside of cost of living adjustments, of course but it doesn't grow based off of the delayed rec- um, retirement credits like your own benefit does if you delay it. So, you know, in, in those particular cases, you know, again, we, we look at different strategies. One of the strategies we look at is to have the lower of the two benefits go ahead and turn theirs on early, go ahead and get that income coming in. And the reason why we do that is because we know that the higher the two benefits is the one that's going to last for both lifetimes. So if something happens to you, she's gonna step out of her benefit and step into your benefit. So eventually she's gonna get yours. So let her go ahead and start taking the benefit even though it's reduced. Now it's reduced for her benefit, but what happens if you turn yours on at 70, and I don't know the age difference, but let's say she turns hers on at 62, she's got a reduction in her benefit, you turn yours on at 70, and she's now over full retirement age at that point. So the spousal portion of that benefit, which you'll be eligible for at that point, when you turn yours on, that portion will not be reduced. Her benefits still reduced, but that portion will not be. They stand alone based off of when you become eligible and you take those benefits. Something you really need to understand how that works because if you're trying to coordinate income planning with your spouse, those are things that are very important to understand and to be able to to coordinate together to make sure that you understand how this is going
1: to work in retirement. Absolutely. You know, my wife and I are a little bit less than a year and a half apart in age. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, or a little bit more than a year and a half. And so the reason that's important is she doesn't, you know, she doesn't get any increase in that spousal benefit if i'm waiting to 70 because she'd have to be 68 and a half before i'd get there so that could affect our filing strategy now you mentioned the widow benefit is that Mm -hmm. the the surviving spouse gets the higher of the two so if later in life i die first she will then get my whatever benefit i was drawing Um, so that's also an important consideration let's touch quickly hamilton before our break on divorce spousal benefits and how important is it to understand that because in fact social security is not going to do that for us we've got to help them connect those dots right
2: well that's absolutely correct they're not going to call you on the phone and say hey you've got a spouse or a widow's benefit available to you now you might get a letter in the mail saying that you're eligible for it but they're not going to automatically click click you over to the widow's benefit you have to actually file for it the biggest thing i think for your listeners That they need to understand is if something happens early. So if you lose a spouse early, let's say in your early 60s, if the surviving spouse has not turned on their benefits yet and they lose their spouse, they've got options. So they could actually take one benefit now and turn the other benefit on later to get an increase. So the strategy that we use other. that's that is absolutely correct. So knowing that because a lot of people just go for the higher benefit, boom, they're done. Well, wait a minute, don't do that. Maybe if we take the widow's benefit now and let your benefit grow till 70, that your age 70 benefit will be higher than the widow's benefit. Or flip it around, we take your benefit early at 62, and then delay the widow's benefit until your full retirement age, so you can get 100% of the widow's benefit, and that's going to be higher. So, it, because you got to remember, any benefit you take outside of Social Security disability, if you take it early, you're going to get a reduction, and you're going to be subject to the earnings test if you decide to work during the time. So, those are all considerations you got to have.
1: But the key point there is, is that. You know, for many people, if your if your spouse has predeceased you, you know how you handle that period of time from sixty two to seventy can really, you know, people who have had someone pass away have some real advantages of how they can plan to maximize Social Security benefits by drawing one of those mm-hmm. without affecting the other. So I think that's just so and important. And Social Security's
2: not going to tell you. No, yeah, Social Security's not going to tell you that.
1: Yeah. We're visiting with Hamilton Morales. We're talking about Social Security when we come back. I do want to define the divorce benefit and then we'll talk about the future implications and and how we can be planning for things like inflation, interest rate risks, solvency of Social Security. What, what, What are we looking at down the line? How likely is it our Social Security benefits would go down in a substantial way? So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
0: Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome
1: back to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and today we're talking about Social Security benefits. We've been talking uh, a lot about the importance of the timing of your election of benefit, when to draw, how spousal benefits can affect that decision, what about down the line understanding widow and widower benefits, uh, now I have a one-night class at Pellissippi State Community College through their adult education programs on income planning on August 29th. So just here in a couple of weeks, uh, that's Tuesday, August 29th. It's a one-night class, 6:30 to 8:30 p.m. at their Hardin Valley location, and it's income planning for retirement. And uh, one of the one of the areas that we do dive into because it's so important in the income plan is your Social Security election and understanding those nuances. Uh, So it's a great way to just reinforce what we're talking about on the show today, but also hear about all the other factors that could affect your income planning in retirement, which I think is the most overlooked area in retirement planning is how you plan for and structure income now social security is part of that but there are other things like how do you how do you structure your life savings to now generate income uh, so you can find out more at pellissippiretirementincome.com again go to pellissippiretirementincome.com and you can download a syllabus and click to register uh, you can also call pellissippi state directly at 539-7167. Of course, that's area code 865-539-7167. It's a course fee is, uh, I believe it's $39 for that one-night class to Pellissippi. We're talking today with Hamilton Morales. Uh, we're talking about Social Security, and I do, I do want to talk about divorce spousal benefits, Hamilton. It's so important mm-hmm. to understand because we may. the fact is many are eligible for the same type of spousal and widow benefits as if they were married. So walk us through how do I qualify for divorce spouse benefits, and what do I have to do?
2: Yeah, so that is correct, assuming they meet one criteria, and that criteria is they had to have a um, uh, qualifying marriage. So what's a qualifying marriage? So Social Security um, says a qualifying marriage is you were married for 10 consecutive years uh, before you got a divorce. So that means that you have a qualifying marriage. So if you hit that and you did have a qualifying marriage – the one who wants spousal benefits has to be currently single to go through the process. Now, their ex-spouse doesn't have to be single. I mean, they can't get spousal benefits, but the requirement for you to get spousal has nothing to do with them being single or not. The other thing that's very important, if you remember back when I was telling you when we were talking about married couples, and how to, how to get the spousal benefit, what the different rules were. Rule number one, your spouse has to turn on their benefit. Rule number two, you have to turn on your benefit. Well, the only difference in what I talked about between married and divorced people is that rule number one. So, again, married couples, your spouse has to turn on their benefit. If it's a divorce situation, your ex only has to reach age 62. They do not have to turn on their benefit. So that is a little different than if you were actually married. So understanding how that works is is pretty critical. The other thing is widow's benefits as it relates to divorce situation. So it it works the same way. You had to have a qualifying marriage, 10-plus years before you got divorced. Um, Now, you don't necessarily have to be single when your ex-spouse passes away. This is a funny key. A lot of people don't understand this. If you remarried prior to your age 60th birthday and your ex-spouse passes away, you are not eligible for widow's benefits off of your ex-spouse. However, if you did remarry after your 60th birthday, you are still eligible for your ex-spouse's benefit if they predecease, so it's 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 a it's something to consider um if you are looking to get remarried again and you're you're real close to that 60 year age mark something you might want to consider holding off until after your 60th birthday to be able to to get that but they're entitled to all the same things that we talked about as it relates to a married couple um if, if yeah, your so spouse passes away. So
1: just very important to understand all those ins and outs because it could affect things like, mm-hmm. as you said, what if you're 58 and you're planning on, or 59 and you're planning on remarrying? You know, if you wait till you're 60, you'll have the choice of either drawing the widow benefit from your deceased spouse or ex-spouse, or, you know, if it's better for you, take the spousal benefit on your new spouse, but in overwhelmingly mm-hmm. the widow benefit is better because it's yeah. it's the full oh, yeah. benefit, not one-half the benefit. Mm-hmm. Correct. Now, Hamilton, how has let's let's shift gears here and talk about kind of moving forward and how we plan for this and some of the risks. First, let's talk about (laughs) inflation with it being so high right now. The reality is inflation is a challenge, regardless. Even the even the twenty years leading up to the last year and a half, inflation in relation to Social Security has been a challenge. So, how has inflation impacted the buying power for Social Security recipients over time?
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny, because on my, in my seminar, we talk about inflation, and it was kind of an afterthought for so many years. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's no longer an afterthought. We, we, that's something we really need to talk about. And it is a risk that, that people have to be concerned about. Now, I'm sure that your listeners know that there's cost of living adjustments that they can put on Social Security on an annual basis. It's based off of the CPIU, I believe. Um, caught me off guard a little bit there. I think it's the CPIU. And, uh, you know, there are years. In fact, there's, I believe there were three years where there was zero COLA put on Social Security. Now, a lot of people would look at that and say, oh, well, that's horrible. We didn't get any increase. Well, that's because there was basically no inflation. So it's kind of a catch-22, right? I mean, if you're getting a COLA on your Social Security benefits, that means there's inflation. If you're not getting COLAs on your Social Security benefits, that means there's not inflation Which would you rather have? It's kind of, like I said, a catch-22 on that. It's kind of double-edged. So, you know, you, it is double-edged, absolutely. So, But you still have to plan for it, right? I mean, again, just, this all comes down to that income plan we've talked about and understanding how to put an income plan together and inflation is a big piece of that and how do i how do i plan for inflation what are things i can do to help with inflation and there are several different things you can do to help with inflation um and so th- those are things that you just you have to know about because social security yes will probably go up some and we had a pretty pretty good size increase this past year but is it enough for the buying power and the answer is no it's not
1: that's exactly right so in the since 20 since the year 2000 in a recent study you know if you look at the cost of living adjustments that have happened for social security recipients and you compare that to inflation the average social security recipient even with their cost of living adjustments have seen about a 33% reduction in the buying power mm-hmm. of that social security benefit, so in other words, over time, social security increases have not kept up with the cost of living, and so then that goes back to the importance of increasing income from the rest of your investments to to be able to cover the inflationary risk now, you mentioned that last year it was eight point seven percent benefit increase the year before that it was five point nine because we 've been we 've had two successive years of high inflation. The historical average, especially since 2009, is closer to two and a half percent. Do you yeah, think there will yeah. be another generous cost of living increase going into next year? What do you see in your crystal ball?
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm saying there's going to be a, a generous one unless they get, can do something. You know, obviously the Fed's trying to to help with inflation and all the different things and, you know, spending. I mean, Printing money and spending the money that that we really don't have is is certainly not helping with inflation. And because of that reason, I believe that we're going to see another substantial increase. Um, and those are usually announced, I believe, around October November. So we'll yeah, know the next month or two. October, we should November. start.
1: Well, and we'll start mm-hmm. getting estimates from Social Security, maybe even next month. So that'll be something to really keep yes. an eye out for. Now, I mentioned there, uh, Hamilton, about. Inflation historically does. uh, Social security benefits do not keep up with inflation. So uh, you mentioned earlier that social security for many people is the biggest source of retirement income. How much for for younger people, people that aren't already retired? um, So Mm -hmm. people, let's say under age sixty, but especially under age fifty five. How important is it that we shift our thought to understanding? In retirement, we're going to have to lean more and more heavily on our own resources rather than just Social Security. Uh, huge. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: you know, if, if people, if people, and, and I know to me, it's like listening to somebody, you know, drive their nails on a chalkboard. But when you're, if you would listen to some of the debates, especially the presidential debates, and I'm not talking about the, the two different parties, I'm talking about during the primaries. Social security comes up a lot. How do we fix social security? And it's all, it's all you know, say what you want to say. They're, they're making it sound good. Nobody wants to touch social security. It's, it's political suicide to touch social security. That's the reason why nothing's been done yet, to, to fix a problem that's looming for 2033, 2034, 2035, depending on which uh, report you you look at. And so it's political suicide to do that, but there are ways to do it. And I honestly believe, so I was, I'm, I'm after the 1960 crowd, right? So my full retirement age is 67 as well. I truly believe that they're going to eventually take my social security, uh, full retirement age from 67 to age 70. I, I totally believe they're going to do that. And I also think they're going to increase my early retirement. So instead of being able to turn it on at 62, it's probably going to be between 64 and 66 before I could turn on my social security. Well, guess what folks, if you're in that age group, you need to start thinking about, okay, so yes, we all want to retire early. How am I going to be able to do that? How am I going to be able to put, you know, certain funds aside for retirement? What type of accounts do I put that in? That's very important. Do I put it into a taxable account like a 401k an IRA Or do I put it into a non-taxable account like a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA? Um, Do I use life insurance? Do I use the cash value in that life insurance? There's a lot of different ways, a lot of different things people can do. Hey, pay the money, the taxes on the seed. Don't pay the taxes on the harvest.
1: That's key. Absolutely. So um, I, I agree with you, Hamilton, in the in the full retirement age will probably be raised. Now, will it be people that are born after 1960? Will it be people born after 1965? I mean, we just don't know those answers. Right. Um, right. But, you know, I see that happening now. Now, what would you say? You know, we know there's a large increase in the Social Security benefit to delay taking the benefit. Now, again, as as we discussed Mm -hmm. earlier in the show, not not everybody can afford to do that, and it's not wise for everybody to delay. But what would you say to that retiree who says, you know what, I should probably delay if you look at the current benefit, but I'm worried Social Security is going to go away, so I'm going to get what I can now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the OASDI, will uh, they do a report every year on the health Not only the health of Social Security, but they look at the health of Social Security, disability, Medicare, Medicaid, all those things. And the report comes out usually in May, June of the following year. So the 2022 report just came out in May, June. And they all say about the same thing. Between 2033 and 2035, if there are no changes made, there will be enough tax dollars coming in to pay anywhere between uh, 75 to $0.77 cents on the dollar. Okay, so everybody looks at that, and, and I see articles. I just saw an article yesterday that says, oh, you know, in 2033, retirees are going to get a reduction of $17,000. Okay, that's true, assuming nothing happens. We know something's going to happen. The problem is nobody wants to touch it right now. So until we get a little bit closer to those dates, we're probably not going to see much movement because, again, what you know? What's a politician's first thing in office that they want to do when they get elected? They want to get re-elected. Well, if you're going to mess with Social Security, there's a good chance you're not going to get reelected because you can't make everybody happy. And so, um, I truly believe that. Okay, get my crystal ball. Yeah, it is a conundrum. But I, I they're they're going to make some changes and and things are going to happen. It's going to be later in, in in you know, probably 2028, 2029, maybe even 2030 before these things happen, but I do believe they're going to make those those tough decisions they're going to make. I mean, we're seeing it in France right now. Right? If people are watching the news, what did France just do? They just increased their full retirement age, right, so for everybody that's at a certain age. These young people, and, and there's, they were riots in the streets. So I, I'm sure they're looking at that going, we don't, we don't want that here, but they're going to have to make those decisions, and it's got to it's happen.
1: We're visiting with Hamilton Morales. When we come back from our last break, we'll, have, we'll wrap up this Social Security discussion here on More Living on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
0: Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan.
1: Thanks for tuning in. We've been visiting with Hamilton Morales about Social Security. Hamilton, I got so into that discussion in the last segment, we're kind of out of time. I just want to thank you so much Mm -hmm. for taking time out of your busy schedule to share your wisdom with our listeners.
2: Uh, it was totally my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on, and maybe we could do this again sometime.
1: I'm sure we will. Thank you. That's Hamilton Morales. If you'd like to know more about income planning and Social Security election, come to my class at Pelissippi State. It's on August the 29th. It's a two-hour class at Hardin Valley, 630 to 830 p.m. Find out more at PellissippiRetirementIncome.com. Today we've discussed your income planning in retirement because greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you to Chris for engineering the show. Many thanks to Jill for helping produce the show. Have a very blessed week as you've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.